0: A lot of times in life, we have expectations for things like relationships and, and, and family, and we expect people to behave a certain way. You know, we get these expectations from movies and from seeing other people's families and the way that, that people treat each other. And we also have this idea in our mind of the way we want to be treated and, and how we'd like to be treated. And the reality is, is that for every family, those expectations are going to be broken at some point or another and and that's not necessarily meaning divorce although i want to talk about that specifically today but the reality is we all are broken individuals we are all sinful creatures and thank the lord that he forgives us and thanks to the lord that he he offers us restoration but today i want to speak specifically about a different kind of brokenness about those individuals who have to suffer from a broken home and if that's you i want to speak to you today and say god can, give, can heal you, can restore you, and that all hope is not lost. You know, before I get into the details here, I just want to say that, you know, I remember as a child going through the experience of, of coming, uh, being brought up in a family with divorce in it. I remember at times when I would go into a store, I had seen pictures of my mom, and I would go into a store and I would see a woman with red hair like I saw my mom in pictures, and and that woman would turn around and I would hope that it was going to be her. And I had this vision that, that all of a sudden she was going to see me and she was going to run and grab me and give me a big old hug. And, and we were going to just work out and I would have these daydreams and these fantasies of how it would work out. And, and, and actually it never happened that way. And, and that's really the story of a broken home. It's some unmet expectation. You expect your parents to be a certain way, and they didn't live up to that expectation. And it's constantly like that. Growing up, sitting there, I used to lay in my bed at night. I would, I would go to sleep, and everybody else would be quiet, and I would be crying in my bed and, and, and crying out to God and asking him, God, why, why do I have to have this? You know, why do I have to have a broken home? Why do I have to be without my mom? How come I can't have what everybody else has? So as a child of a broken home, it's, it's very painful and, and very hurtful and something that us as Christians, if we come from that background, we have to deal with that issue. It's, it's one of the toughest challenges that I've had to overcome in my walk. But I can tell you that there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope in the Lord. And you know before I get started down that path I just want to just mention you know how how the fact that divorce itself today is being treated as if as if it's a bre- breaking up of a contract as if it's something you can do because you, the other person isn't necessarily meeting your needs or your expectations and I would hope that people today would hear the reality of the situation which is that divorce is an evil thing it's a sinful thing you know, there's scripture in the Bible that says that it, unless it's for sexual immorality, you shouldn't get divorced. And I really believe in that. And the reason I believe in that is because I've experienced the pain uh, uh, of, of a child who's going through a broken home. And I think that adults and people who are considering divorces should take that into mind because it's not something that comes and goes. It's something that lives with a child for their entire life. Their home is broken and it's never going to be fixed. And so I want to just talk like if you look in Genesis chapter two, verse 24, I want to bring out the reality of marriage here. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. See, the reality is, is that when you are married to somebody, when you actually become a married man and a married woman, you become one flesh, you become like one organism it's not as if you're you're just forming some sort of business contract or you're forming some sort of legal legal process. It's it's deeper than that. And so when a marriage is broken up, it's more like breaking apart a, a human body. It's more like tearing apart a, a, a human in half than it is splitting up a business or doing some, you know, contractual agreement. And it's tough on the kids. It's really really tough on the kids. And you know, if if you look at people today, you'll you'll see a lot of people that are 50 getting divorced and a lot of the messaging that went around was, you know, when you get older, you could your kids move out and maybe you decide you want to get divorced and nobody's going to be hurt by that. But I want to tell you that that's not true because your kids are going to have kids and they're not going to be able to take their kids to see their grandma or their grandpa or they're going to have to deal with the situation of brokenness in their home for their entire life. And they're going to have to explain that to their children. And it's like another hurt. It's like another dagger going inside of you as you try to explain this terrible situation to your kids. So... Having, being divorcing somebody, getting in a divorce is is a situation that's a lifelong sentence for a child, and so it should never happen, um, you know, in in such a way that nobody, that people aren't really thinking it through, and so. Having said that, you can rise above a broken home. You can rise above the brokenness. You can rise above all of this and have healing in your life. And, and today I want to bring out scriptures and I want to bring out some wisdom and things that I've learned, uh, you know, as a Christian and as somebody who's come from this situation. There's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, and it says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, And by this, many may become defiled. I brought up this scripture because it brings up a very important point. The first thing that it talks about there is it says, looking carefully lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God. And so first thing we should remember as Christians is that we have experienced the grace of God. And the grace of God is God's unmerited favor towards us. It's his forgiving, his forgiveness for us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the grace of God naturally goes uh, uh, beyond the sin. It actually forgives and moves on and moves past the hurt. And so as Christians, we have to embody that. The grace of God, it has to be something real in our life where we realize that, hey, God forgave me, so I gotta forgive other people. I gotta forgive the people in my life, um, just in the same way that God forgave me, while they're still sinners, while they're still broken, while they're still messed up. In a situation where sometimes you can't, you can't do, you can't make a person better. You need to forgive them, anyways. And the reason is outlined in that same scripture. It says, "Lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble." And by this, many may become defiled. You know, when it's speaking of a root of bitterness there, it's talking about some deep, deep hurt. You know, if you think of a root, it's something that's deep underground. It's something that that in our life, it's a sense of personal hurt. It's like a poisonous root that's deep embedded in our life. And so as Christians, we can't let a root of bitterness, some some anger, some hurt, some personal hurt that we've had since a child be rooted in our life. We have to allow the grace of God to overcome that. And we have to begin to forgive those people who caused it. We have to move past that root of bitterness. So as first thing is right there is that we have to have the same amount of forgiveness that the Lord had for us. We have to look at our parents and realize that were they right? No, they were wrong. They got in this divorce and they really messed up our lives. However, we can't let that anger and that judgment against them and that even if it's righteous judgment against what they did affect our life and be something that causes us to be bitter. Because when you think about a bitter root, you have to imagine that there's a tree above that root and a bitter root is going to produce bitter fruit. You know, I, I sometimes I do like some gardening in my backyard and I, I, once I was growing cucumbers and I watered the cucumbers too much. And what happens when you do that is they become bitter. But the thing is that you don't know that they're bitter. So the fruit grows up and it looks delicious and beautiful. And then all of a sudden you take a bite out of it and it's nasty right? In the same way, if we let this bitter root in our life, we may get past it a little bit. We may be able to cope and act as if our life is moving on and 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 we've moved on. but if there's a, a root that's bitter deep down inside, what can happen is it, is it can tarnish our fruit. So when we think about this this thing, we have to realize that that God can forgive those people. we can forgive those people. and we can't allow them. To become a sore spot or a root of bitterness inside of our heart. You know, a lot of th- a lot of times in the past I've, I've had arguments with my dad or, or with my mom or just with my family in general. And a lot of times I've tried to, as a Christian and even before I was a Christian, I tried to repair the situation. You know, I would try to, to argue with my dad or argue with my mom and try to reason and, and try to make them change. But the reality is, is that you cannot change your family. You cannot repair your family. It's up to the Lord to do that. And any time that you find yourself going back to them and trying to change the way they act or change the way they think, you're setting yourself up again for failure. So the important thing to remember here is to forgive, to forgive, to let the grace of God abound in your heart. Let the forgiveness of God realize that what they, forgiving does not mean saying what they did is right. Forgiving does not mean uh, accepting what they did and, and saying that it was okay. Forgiveness means saying, even though they did me wrong, I'm gonna let it go. I'm not gonna let it affect me. I'm not gonna let it become a root of bitterness in my heart. You know, there's a, scriptures in, a scripture in Proverbs 29, verse nine, and it says, a wise man contends, with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. You know, some of us comes from, come from families where we, we try to reason with them. We try to contend with them and, and, and kind of give them uh, wisdom or try to bring something that God taught us to them. And the reality is a lot of times they end up just laughing at us or getting mad at us. But either way, there is no peace. So another bit of wisdom I can give you is that sometimes you have to allow some distance between you and that person and let God deal with them. Remember, the only person that can change somebody's heart is not you. It's only God. It's only the grace of God that can forgive them from their sins. It's only the Holy Spirit that can transform their life. And there's nothing we can do about it. But the one thing we can do is let God operate on our hearts. And to walk in forgiveness and love towards them, regardless of how they act. So we have to move on past the hurt. We have to forgive. And another thing is we have to accept them for who they are. They're sinful people. You know, even Christians, we have this flesh. Even Christians are not perfect. And so the reality is your parents are never going to be perfect. They're never going to live up to your expectation. They're never going to meet up to your expectation. So sometimes with some parents, you have to accept their limitations. You have to realize that they're a flake or that they're somebody who's never going to be there for you. You have to stop thinking they're going to be there to to be at your kid's birthday because the reality is they're not. And you have to stop thinking that they're going to go out of their way for you because the reality is they're selfish. You have to stop thinking that they're going to do something for you. And, and instead of doing that, you have to forgive them, accept them for their weakness and and love them in spite of it. Because after all, you're a Christian and the spirit of God is inside of you. And if if you're going to be righteous, you can't be caught up on their sins. You have to realize that it's up to you to love them. It's up to you to show the love of Christ. So letting that go and accepting them for their flaws and, and learning that they're not going to change for you, that the reality is that only God can do that. And the last thing, after you've learned to forgive them, after you've learned to accept them for who they are and, and say, you know what, that's, that's just who they are and, and realize that they're a sinful individual just like you are and say, you know what, I'm going to move past this and I'm going to rise above it. After you learn to do that, you might just be able to, the next step there, and I admit it takes some time to get to this point, is you can actually learn to honor them. You can learn to honor your parents. You know, there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 15, verse 4, and this is Jesus saying, he said, For God commanded, saying, Honor your mother and father. And he who curses father or mother, let let him be put to death. Now, obviously, the Lord is quote, quoting the Old Testament here, and he's not recommending that people be stoned for dishonoring their mother and father. But what he is saying here is he's bringing out the fact that it, what, it's a severe thing to dishonor your parents. So I want to encourage you, once you learn to forgive them, and it may take you some time, and, and once you've learned to say, you know what, irregardless of the fact that they did me wrong, that they continue to do me wrong, and that they ha- will never even accept that they did wrong. Regardless of that, I'm going to love them. I'm not going to let that affect me. I'm going to forgive them. Then you can learn how to honor them. And again, this does not mean that you're agreeing with them. This does not mean that you're agreeing that they were a great parent or, or that you're just, you know, you're going to go in and, and say, wow, I'm so glad you got a divorce. It worked out great. No, it doesn't mean agreeing. What it means to honor is also not emulating. It doesn't mean you're to act like them or you're supposed to say the what they did was the good thing and and to do that in your life. But what it means is to forgive them, like I said, and also to act respectful toward them, to honor them in spite of their weaknesses. Just like Jesus Christ died for us on the cross while we were yet sinners, we are supposed to forgive our family members forgive our our mother and father and honor them irrespective of their their problems and so that's a tough thing to do i'm not going to say it's easy and and you're going to you're going to have times where you're able to forgive your parents and then they're going to do something or they're going to say something and it's going to cause that same pain and hurt and and to come up again and each time it comes up you just have to squash it You just have to say, no, I'm not going to let that affect me. I'm not going to let a root of bitterness take over my life because of my parents' sin. And so you can rise above it. That's what it means. Rising above that sin and allowing God to do a new work inside of you. So you let them, you let it go and you begin to honor and respect them. You begin to forgive them and respect them and speak to them in honor. It's about being polite. It's about showing them respect. And once you do that, all of a sudden what's going to happen is this big old root that's been in your life since you were a kid, this big old thing that's been a, a, a trauma in your heart and in your life that's that's been haunting you will be gone. And all of a sudden you'll start to see things clear again. You'll start to see past that trauma, that event that happened in your life. And God can really start to do something because the next part in that is realizing the most important thing here, which is this, that you are a Christian. And as a Christian, I want to I tell you something. As a Christian, you are a child of God, right? And what that means is that you've been adopted. You've been adopted. You have a spirit of adoption inside of your life. And let me read the, a scripture for you. It's in, it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. To me, this is a heavy thing. You know, God gave us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives in our spirit. And that spirit is the spirit of adoption. That spirit is inside of us and it it empowers us to, to be We know that we are children of God. It says, and if we are children of God, then we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified. So the spirit of God, it begins to bear witness in verse 16. It says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So I want you to just think about this. You know, you come from a family that's broken. You come from a situation that is less than ideal. And the reality is every family is like that. It doesn't matter if your dad was a pastor or your dad was whatever, or your mom or whatever. You're going to come from a family that's broken. But as Christians, we are adopted as children of God. And if you are adopted as a child of God, the spirit of God is inside of you. And that spirit himself bears witness to the fact that you're a child of God and inside of you it cries out, Abba, Father. So when you feel like you need a relationship that is, that is better, when you're looking for something that's better than your family, it's all about, about focusing and setting your mind on the things of the Spirit and realizing that you've been adopted as a child of God and that He loves you and that the Spirit Himself is inside of you crying out, Abba, Father. So we have a father, we have a relationship, and we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're in the family of God. See, the reality is, is at the end of times, when the, when the Lord comes back and, and, and everything changes up, we're going to be in the kingdom of heaven. We're not going to be under our parents anymore. We're going to be under the Lord, and we're going to be children of God. And so the, the more prominent relationship in a Christian man's life is, or a woman's life is the, the Spirit of God, that adoption that we have in saying, Father. So when we need somebody to go to, when we need somebody to hear us, to hear our prayers, when, when we've been rejected, when, we, when we've been broken by somebody in the world, when we have issues in our heart where we say, God, God, when we call out to him, we're saying, Father. Abba, Father, it's the Spirit of God inside of us. So when you begin to let go of that past hurt and that root of bitterness and begin to embrace the Spirit of God, all of a sudden your life will be empowered to rise above not only the root of bitterness, but then it'll begin to produce inside of you the family of God. You will become like a child of God, somebody who comes and whose spirit cries out, saying, Abba, Father. And you'll begin to embrace the Father. And this allows you to walk in the Spirit. This allows you to, there's another scripture in Titus chapter 3, verse 4 through 7. It says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. See, he put his spirit inside of us and, the, and that regeneration, the washing of regeneration. We've been made new. We've, we've forgiven all of the things in the past. Forget all that. We've let go of the root of bitterness and now we're a new creation and, and, and we, we've been made new. And the spirit of God, we've been washed and regenerated by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what, how we are to operate going forward. Because what you have to realize, what you may not realize is that the spirit of God wants to do something new in you. He wants to overcome the, 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 the curse of divorce. He wants to overcome the divorce that happened in your life. And he wants to do it inside of you. He wants to take the spirit of God and rise up inside of you a Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, empowering you to live as a righteous man of God, to live as somebody or woman of God who, who can live a righteous life and have a marriage that, that, that is godly. And the reality is, is that if you would just get over that root of bitterness and allow God to move inside of your heart, all of a sudden you could have your own family You can have your own marriage. And when you get married, you can build your marriage on the rock, on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, the rock, build it on a strong foundation and allow the spirit of God to empower you. And as a child of God, you can have a marriage with your wife where you don't think about just me. You don't think about how all these things that the world thinks about. You think about dying for your wife as Christ died for the church. You think of giving yourself to your wife and, and you begin to serve her and then she begins to serve you and all of a sudden there's a dynamic that happens because the spirit of God is there and you are both submitting to God and so the, so the Lord can work inside of your marriage. And once you do that, this is the crazy thing and this is the thing that God has been doing in my heart. You know, I, I come home every single day. Even today I came home and my beautiful little daughter just ran up and gave me a kiss. And my wife is in there and she's in the kitchen and, you know, she's doing homeschool and she's busy there and she's just so beautiful to me. And I I look at my family and, and the blessing that God has put on my life. And I realize that the power of God has overcome the curse of divorce in my life. And I realize the family that I always wanted, the family that I wanted when I was a child that I never got is There, right there in my house, waiting for me every day when I come home. And it's not because of my strength. It's not because of what I did. It's because of the power of God to overcome the sinfulness of man, to overcome the sinfulness of divorce. So I want to encourage you today. If you're somebody who has come from a broken home, I want you to know that the home that you always wanted is waiting for you. If only you would embrace, embrace what God has, forgive, 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 and allow God to do a work in your heart and begin to cry out to him even today. Abba, Father, realize that he is going to produce that home through you.